0: University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkland. Visit ubc-br.org or at UBCBR on Facebook for more information. So for the last couple of years, I've been uh, dealing with a little bit of trouble with my upper back and my shoulders. And I feel like that I can't possibly be old enough to actually say that, but somehow it's true. So this week, for the first time, I went to a chiropractor. Uh, I thought it might help a little bit to give that a shot. I was skeptical, and I still am a little bit, but when she first looked at my back, she could tell right away that I often slouch to the left, that I sit hunched in front of a computer a lot more than I should, like most of us probably these days. And she could tell exactly which muscles were tight. And so over the next five minutes, she cracked every single piece of my back and neck, places that I didn't even know were there or were possible to crack. She realigned and adjusted my spine, So much so that all of these tight muscles immediately loosened up. I felt lighter, I felt more energetic, less tense, and a little bit more myself. Now, my muscles didn't stay that way. As soon as I got right back in front of the computer, they tightened up again. But it was a good reminder for me that every so often, it's helpful to realign my body. To properly position the way that I sit, to be centered and balanced, and to remember how my body can function. In a similar sort of way, I think it's helpful for us from time to time to realign our spiritual selves. I have a very strong conviction that many of the problems that we see in the world around us, whether interpersonal or international or ecological, that they arise because we've lost sight of the goodness of this world around us and of each creature within it, including ourselves. I wonder if you ever have moments of doubting your goodness. Do you ever feel that Human beings are just too far gone, that we've lost our way and might never find our way back. Do you ever struggle to understand what your purpose is or what you have to offer uniquely to the world? Well, our text this morning, I hope, will help us properly align our understanding of ourselves as supremely good to our core. And remind us of who we are in relation to God and to creation around us. Our text today is Psalm 8. It's a psalm of praise for creation. And I invite you to hear this text, to receive it this morning with awe, with imagination, maybe with a sense of dreaming in your heart. Lord, Our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. You made your glory higher than heaven. From the mouths of nursing babies, you have laid a strong foundation because of your foes in order to stop vengeful enemies. When I look up at your skies, at what your fingers made, the moon and the stars that you set firmly in place, what are human beings? That you think about them? What are human beings that you pay attention to them? Yet you've made them only slightly less than divine, crowning them with glory and grandeur. You've let them rule over your handiwork, putting everything under their feet, all sheep and all cattle, the wild animals too. The birds in the sky, the fish of the ocean, and everything that travels the pathways of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. And we discussed in our young adult Sunday school class this morning how the Psalms are poetry, and it's helpful to read them as poetry. But it's also helpful to understand that some of these ancient metaphors and images that we read here are a bit different than the ones we might use if we were talking about creation. In the ancient world, the created world was seen differently than we see it today. For them, the stars were literally points of light scattered in a literal dome in the sky that covered all of the earth. To them, there wasn't anything beyond this dome. It was sort of where we get the idea that throughout history, heaven is up there, and we are down here, stuck in the mess and the muck. It's also different from the way that Jesus understood God. Jesus believed that God was right here in our midst. That the kingdom of God was right here among us, not separate from us. To give these ancient writers the benefit of the doubt for a second, though, are we surprised that they viewed things this way? With all the suffering and the damaged parts of the world of this creation that we see, wouldn't it be easy to imagine that there must be some sort of divine realm out there where things were fixed and perfect and wonderful. Let's not lose sight, though, of the fact that this psalm is meant to evoke hope and wonder in the face of pain and suffering, that it's a psalm of praise for creation and a reminder of God's goodness within it. Even in verse 2, where there are enemies to be vanquished, the voices of the enemies of creation are silenced by the mouths of nursing babies. How much more hopeful can you get than this image of the weakest and most vulnerable having the power to silence all that would do damage to this good creation? That this world is ever birthing new goodness into it and opposing anything that would say otherwise. Maybe, though, you see yourself as a realist. And you have a hard time viewing things in such a hope-filled way. I don't blame you. I really don't. There's a lot to look at these days that doesn't seem hope-filled or hopeful. But again, I hold a very strong conviction that while pessimism and realism is understandable, I think we might do well to realign our thinking a little bit. If it's too tough to do that with how we view others, or with how we view the world around us, then let's at least start with how we view ourselves. I think this psalm can help us do that. Because this ancient poem uses a wonderful little technique called a chiasm. It's a poetic structure that works from mirrored ideas or images at the beginning and the end down to a central theme right in the middle. Now, notice, this poem is bookended in the first and last verse by this exact same phrase, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth a refrain that focuses our attention on God, the creator. But one level in from each of those, we see the wonders of the created things. On one end, there's the moon and the stars, and we assume the sun. On the other end, there's all of the animals and the birds and the fish of the sea. all of these beautiful pieces of divine creativity and how the writer sees the name of God in each of them. And that isn't hard for us to see, right? Just take a walk outside in nature on a sunny day, notice the birds and the trees and the sunlight, and it isn't hard to be reminded that creation is a wonderful place and that it's good. But how often do you see yourself as a part of that good creation? You can see the chiasm continues. And right at the center of this good creation that the psalmist praises God for, right in the dead center of it, is you. Right in the middle are human beings. And this central place, by the way, is not meant to give us an elevated sense of importance. Let's be very clear about that. As if we get to tread over all of creation, using it selfishly for our own benefit. Because that selfishness is what creates all of the problems that we see in the world. Both ecological or interpersonal Rather, the writer is calling us back to Genesis chapter 1, which I know many of us are familiar with, where we are charged with caring for all of these parts of God's creativity, to be the ones to bring healing to the creation around us. For humans to be in the middle of the poem reminds us that our place is right in the midst of creation, in the midst of the natural world where we come from, in order that we might partner with God in bringing healing and wholeness to it. And now, you may say, as I do often, what could I do? What do I have to offer to bring such healing to the world around me? We have to go one step further in the psalm, to the real core idea, to the conviction of the psalmist, which comes in verse 5. You have made them only slightly less than divine. Crowning them with glory and grandeur. This word divine, by the way, sometimes is translated as the angels. is actually the Hebrew word Elohim. The same word from Genesis 1 when we read that God, Elohim created all things. You have made them only slightly less than Elohim, the writer's saying. The psalmist wants us to see that not only are we simply empowered by God to bring healing to the world around us, not only are we tasked with the responsibility of caring for creation, but that within each of us is the very divine spirit the same divine spirit that brought all of this into being in the first place. This idea of humans taking on the divine nature, of taking on the spirit of Christ, we might say in another way, is what theologians call theosis. And if this sounds odd to your ears, it's likely because most of Western theology has taken a different route, emphasizing sin, brokenness and evil and a whole lot of negativity. And while sin is extremely important to deal with, especially our sins related to how we treat one another or the earth, the negativity that pervades our collective consciousness, and I know you know what I'm talking about. We see this around us all the time. That negativity is, I think, what leads us to enact violence and horrors on creation and on one another. We project our negative view of ourself outward to those around us. Well, Eastern theologians throughout history have focused a bit more positively on human beings, choosing instead to see our potential, to see us with hope and possibility. i remind you of Several verses from the scriptures that tell us this. In 2 Peter, we read, through his honor and glory, he has given us his precious and wonderful promises that you may share in the divine nature. Or in the Gospel of John, as Jesus prays over his disciples, he says, I pray they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, I pray that they also will be in us. Or from 2 Corinthians, as the apostle is reflecting on this divine human dynamic. All of us, he writes, are looking with unveiled faces at the glory of the Lord as if we were looking in a mirror. We are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. Now later in history, many of the saints and the early theologians of the church wrote similar ideas. Ideas that have been taken up mostly by Eastern Christians and the Eastern church today. Saint Athanasius, for instance, on speaking of Jesus, writes this. He says, For he was made man, so that we might be made God. Gregory of Nazianzus writes, also of Jesus, that he participates in my flesh both to save the image of God within me and to make the flesh immortal. Meister Eckhart takes this a step further and writes that every creature is a word of God. You might be familiar with Thomas Merton, the uh, very influential Trappist monk who lived in the United States in the middle of the 20th century. He has a fascinating story of conversion, ended up becoming a monk uh, later in his life. But he had a radical experience of divine revelation on one day in Louisville, Kentucky, of all places. And this is what he writes about it. He says, in Louisville, at the corner of 4th and Walnut, in the center of the shopping district, I was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all these people. That they were mine and I theirs. That we could not be alien to one another, even though we were total strangers. It was like waking from a dream of separateness, of spurious self-isolation in a special world. I have the immense joy, he continues, of being human. A member of a race in which God himself became incarnate. As if the sorrows and stupidities of the human condition could overwhelm me. Now that I realize what we all are. And if only everybody could realize this. But it cannot be explained. There is no way of telling people that they are all walking around shining like the sun. You shine like the sun, Merton says. Sometimes that's hard for us to feel or to see. Sometimes we're down on ourselves. We don't know how to find a place in this world or find our own purpose. Merton would say, You shine like the sun just by being you. Jesus prayed that you would find your very being in God with him. Far from decrying how terrible or sinful or awful we all are. This wisdom from the scriptures and some of the greatest teachers in church history tells us that the problem is simply that we've forgotten how good we are. That we've forgotten our place in the order of creation as divine representatives, as the very body of Christ himself, as Paul will go on to say later. And what would Christ do? What could we do? Other than care for and nurture and love this creation into being. I'd like to end this morning with one of my favorite poems of all time. It's from a writer named Gerard Manley Hopkins, and you might be familiar with him. It's entitled As Kingfishers Catch Fire. And I implore you to hear yourself in this poem. As Kingfishers Catch Fire, Dragonflies draw flame. As tumbled over rim in round wells stones ring, like each tucked string tells, each hung bell's bow swung finds tongue to fling out broad its name. Each mortal thing does one thing and the same. Deals out that being indoors each one dwells, selves goes itself myself it speaks and spells crying what i do is me for that i came i say more the just man justices keeps grace that keeps going all graces acts in god's eye what in god's eye he is christ For Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes not his, to the Father through the features of men's faces. Christ plays in 10,000 places, and you are one of them. Lovely in your limbs and your eyes. And through the features of your face and through everything that you bring to this good creation. As divinely inspired beings, we find our wholeness, our truest self. As Christ bearers into the world, continuing to birth goodness into this good creation. So, go. Be Christ in the world. For that is what you were made to be. For our time of response this morning, I invite you to continue reflecting on this poem. On the wonder of you in all of your uniqueness and your Christness. Allow God to encourage you and to clarify in you what it is that you bring uniquely to this world.